0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LeBurge podcast made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If
0: Good morning, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one and you missed the conversation that we had about the fatherless epidemic here in the United States of America, and you missed the conversation about the documentary related to that, I'd love to send you the link to the fatherless epidemic movie, fatherlessepidemic.movie. You can text me at 877-933-2484, and I'll send you that direct link back to your phone so that you don't even have to type it in. But I want I want everybody to watch it, and I want you to engage with the materials, the downloadable free materials that are also there on the website. So just text me, 877-933-2484, and I will send you the link back to the Fatherless Epidemic movie. Um, A, a few headlines here this morning, and I lift these up to you, so that you can be praying about what in the world is going on in the world with full confidence that God's got the whole world in his hands, even though some of this seems very out of hand today. And so this is a call to pray the news um, as we enter into um, to this day together. A U.S. ambassador, um, Lynn Tracy, she's actually the U.S. ambassador to Russia. She did have the opportunity to visit with the Wall Street Journal reporter, Evan Gerskovich, who is being uh, detained in Russia. She got to um, uh, to see him and spend a little time with him. You will recall that he has been arrested and charged with espionage. Um, she uh, she said that he is in good health and remains strong and reiterated calls for his immediate release. So we want to continue praying for the Gerskovich family as um, as their son is uh, wrongfully detained there in Russia, few um, headlines related to China. As we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters um, in uh, in China, uh, last week China upheld the death sentence of an American. His name is Mark Swidden. Um, he has been in Chinese custody since 2012. So you know this is 2023. So this has been going on already a very long time. Uh, The State Department considers him wrongfully detained. They condemned the ruling by the Chinese government, which has upheld his death sentence. And there are efforts um, underway to, quote, use every tool available to see him freed. The FBI arrested two U.S. citizens on Monday who the Justice Department alleges are operating a Chinese police outpost in New York City's Chinatown aimed at intimidating uh, people from China um, who are here in the United States. So the effort is to... Um, on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party to intimidate people here in the United States. And so um, obviously harassing opponents of the Chinese government here in the U.S. and doing so online, operating what is called a troll farm um, is a problem. And so we're, I guess, thankful for those arrests, but also just recognizing that every single time one of these things happens, it ratchets up the international challenges that we face with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, Let's add this to that mix. A U.S. warship sailed through the Taiwan Strait on Sunday after China performed live fire exercises around the island in retaliation for a meeting between the Taiwanese president and the U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in California earlier in the month. Um, There is a lot of back and forth going on in relationship to um, to China and the United States of America, um, and others around the world as well. But I think that if you want to be targeting your prayers for peace in a particular direction, the U.S.-China relationship is an important place to be pay- to be praying that God would intervene, that cooler heads would prevail, uh, that a path forward of diplomacy would be found, and that we would be able to walk peaceably in it. So we're going to I'll be joined here in just a moment by Addison Bevere. The book is Words with God, Trading Boring, Empty Prayer for Real Connection. And let me just ask this question as a lead-in to that conversation. Are you really talking with God when you're praying? Like, do you have this sense that this is a conversation, an intimate one? Or do you feel like, you know, you're just talking to the wall or the wind? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I think I'm just going to start referring to them individually as members of the Bavir clan. <clears throat> Addison Bavir is back today. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: I'm I'm well. How are things with the Bavir clan? Your dad was on <laughs> most recently uh, in terms of other <laughs> he was, clan members. Okay. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, we the were Bevere talking with him about the, the holy.
0: Well. Uh, yeah, holy fear. Does that sound right? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: That, that sounds right. I mean, that's my dad's life message is the fear of mm-hmm. God. So that does not surprise me.
0: Mm-hmm. This is a good conversation, which we're looking yeah. forward to having a good, good conversation with you today as well. Words with God, trading boring, empty prayer for real connection. Um, maybe let's just start with this. like, why, why does prayer often feel like, I mean, worse than nothing? Like, right. That's what we're, that's really what you're addressing. You're addressing the reality that for a lot of people, prayer actually feels like worse than nothing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where like, we want to have words with God, but we often feel like we're just having words with ourselves. And prayer, Carmen, is, is a thing when you're, when you're looking at this Christian life, we're afraid to admit that prayer isn't what we believe it should be. And we're kind of past the point of, acknowledging that it isn't what it is or uh, what we what we desire it to be and so we shrink into ourselves or we turn to formulas and cliches and those leave us wanting they leave us lacking and so i think i think the biggest thing carmen is that prayer is not a, a formula to solve it's an experience to share it's something that brings us into the depths of who we are as people and into the promises and the wisdom and the surety of god and that is a that's a terrifyingly intimate journey with a lot of ebbs and flows and questions and exclamations. And that's really what we were made um, to explore and enjoy.
0: Now I'll just confess that for, um, and I don't know when in my life this, uh, that I started to experience it as an experience. I like, I can't, Mm. I, I can't point to that time when the shift took place. Um, but then I'll just confess to you, it's really hard to describe to other people what I'm experiencing when they are struggling and they're not experiencing it. And so I really appreciate that you are um, that you're putting some framework around that and giving me some talking points and some entryways into conversation. Talk talk about the audience for this book because it it is those who are struggling with this personally, but I think it's also for those of us who are experiencing genuine conversation with God and we don't know how to help other people who aren't.
1: Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. You use the word framework. I don't I don't like giving out formulas. Even Jesus was very reluctant to give formulas. We've reduced the Lord's prayer to a formula, but it was always meant to be a framework. A framework that properly orients how we engage with God and how we then engage with our world. And so for all of us, like we were made for intimacy with God. There is nothing like we often look at prayer as a mechanism to something else, to freedom, to purpose, to connection with others, to clarity, whatever it is. But the reality is, Carmen, there's nothing on the other side of prayer. There's no aim that prayer leads us to. Prayer is what brings us to the heart of God. It connects us to God. It connects us with ourselves, with each other. And that is where we we realize life at its best and at its fullest. And so in this book, I, I lay out a framework that that brings prayer out of the proverbial closet. Not that prayer doesn't belong in a closet, but it brings prayer out of the closet and lets it into our everyday lives so we can see just how human and how inclusive prayer is of our everyday lives and the seemingly mundane parts of it.
0: I like, uh, I like these questions um, in, uh, in the opening conversation about the voice, and so um, as uh, Alice as and I are taking just a very, very brief break, consider these questions. How can you be sure that God is talking when you are praying, and where do we go when we need to have words with God, have you had Words with God lately? Um, have you been hearing from God as well as speaking to Him in your prayer life? Words with God, trading boring, empty prayer for real connection. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Addison Bevere and I will be right back. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. Hallelujah. Continuing our conversation with Addison Bevere, you can find him at addisonbevere.com. And from there, all his socials. We're talking about Addison's newest book, Words with God, trading boring, empty prayer for real connection. And yes, we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. Um, Addison, um, a couple of really practical questions about prayer. Um, And one of them is about, unanswered prayer. So I have a very, very dear friend. She is a prayer warrior. Her prayers are very effective. I mean, when she prays for people, things happen. Life changes. Um, Windows to heaven are opened. But in her own life, um, her prayers for physical healing um, related to a chronic disease that she has, those, those have seemingly gone unanswered. Can you talk with us about what we do with unanswered prayers?
1: Yeah. I mean, unanswered prayers, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people become disillusioned with prayer or just view prayer as a transaction, right? Like I did the right inputs and God gave me the right outputs. Uh, but the reality is as we as we move into and through unanswered prayers, we're forced to let go of ideas of God um, that really like put us at the center of who God is or make us masters of how God works and how he moves. And I, when we were on break, there was, um, there was an advert that was, that was really profound talking about Jesus sweating blood. And in this moment, I believe Jesus gives us a framework for how we're supposed to move through the tension of prayer. So there's three dimensions to Jesus's prayer in the garden. Number one, he was specific. He said, if there's any way, that this cup could pass, let it pass. Right? He didn't, he didn't pray a vague prayer. He was specific. He contended. Number two, he was steadfast. Three times he reached out to his friends, his closest friends said, Hey, pray with me. He went back and prayed again and again and again. Blood was seeping from his pores. But then the third part of it is he was surrendered. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And if we're going to be people who mature in prayer and really start to understand the nature and the character of God, we're going to have to embody all three of those specificity, surrender, and steadfastness in our prayer. And as we do that, we start to... The unanswered prayers don't always make sense. Like there are some things we're not going to understand on this side of eternity. But as we mature in those three dimensions of prayer we start to see things differently we start to understand why God responds the way he does, especially in those moments where we have to move through our doubts. Like, look, God's not afraid of our doubts. I think of what David says in Psalm 142. He says, I lay out my complaints before you, God. God wants us to bring our doubts to him because doubt surrendered to God transforms into faith and into a greater understanding of God's nature and how he moves and he works. And I would argue. I would argue that we really can't understand God's faithfulness, Carmen, until life's given us a reason to question His faithfulness.
0: Mm. Yeah, that appreciating the, the light after I've actually had to walk through the darkness um, is, is huge. Um, talk with us about unlearning, unlearning the voice of the accuser so that we can actually hear the voice of God.
1: Yeah. So this is a theme that I develop in the first section of the book, which is called the canyon. And I I bring this theme into the next section, the temple and into the final section, which is called the dance. And so this is so I'll, I'll give you a quick answer. But this is something that I develop all throughout the book. But but the idea is many of us, we look for God's voice in the voice and the tenor of the accuser. And many of us, we've been formed Within the voice of accusation, and really carmen there's there's three voices that will speak into our lives. number one it's the voice of the accuser, number two, the great voice or the voice of God and number three, our own voice and the reality is our voice is a reflection of whatever voice has our ear and mm-hmm. many of us when we when we go into prayer right i I, I call this the, the season of moving into canyons. We, we go into this place of prayer and it feels like the only thing that we're met with is silence and that silence is terrifying and that silence can feel like a rejection but the reality is the silence is not a rejection. It's actually an invitation. It's an invitation to let go of small ideas of God, purpose, and how that all comes together in our lives, and to let go too of the voice and the power of the enemy, of the accuser. You gotta remember, Jesus, after beloved sonship was spoken over him, the Spirit led him into the wilderness, and immediately the accuser came in the silence, mm. in the stillness of the wilderness. The accuser came and said, If you're really, if you're really the Son of God, prove it. Do something practical, do something uh, powerful do something worthy of worship and the accuser will come in and it's a persistent voice. It is a voice that causes us to shrink back. It's a voice that causes us to separate, to try to separate ourselves from God because of shame, because of perceived lack. Whereas the voice of God will challenge us. It will move us outside of ourselves, but it does so from a place of love and hope and faith and promise And so learning how to let go of the voice of the accuser opens us to the voice of God. There's a there's a psalm, Psalm 65, that says praise waits for you in silence. O you who hear our prayer, the reality is, Carmen, there are words that only form in silence. And we live in a world where it is so difficult to move into the silence and the busyness and the distracted nature of our lives to move into silence and actually hear a voice that resonates with the deepest, most intimate parts of who we are and what we're called to do. Mm.
0: We're talking with Addison Bevere. You can find him and connect with him at addisonbevere.com. The book is Words with God, Trading Boring, Empty Prayer for Real Connection. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Addison, um, one more quick question here, because I think that you can— I know you can. I know you can offer this up. Like, okay, how do I get my prayer life or let my prayer life out of the closet and into my everyday life and into the everyday world?
1: Yeah, so good. So there's so much of what prayer is that we have forfeited because we view prayer as just what happens when we move our lips and talk to God. But that's actually a small part of prayer. When Paul writes about praying without ceasing, First Thessalonians 5, Romans 12, Ephesians 6, This idea is our entire sense of self, our entire lives become an extension of prayer. And this is how I would explain it simply. Prayer isn't another thing to do, right? Like we view prayer as a chore that we uh, have to complete, a box that we have to check. Prayer isn't another thing to do. It's the thing that brings everything that we do together. And the reason why we feel so fragmented and disjointed, and the reason why even the wisdom of this age is presenting shadow forms of prayer that we have abandoned as part of the prayer experience because we've limited prayer to this transactional nature, the the reason why we're dissatisfied with prayer is because we haven't let prayer out of the closet. We haven't opened up the conversation. And that's my desire for this book. And that's what I'm so excited. And what I'm hearing from people who are engaging with this message are like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea what a significant part of my life prayer could be beyond what I thought of when I thought of prayer.
0: Mm. Um, Addison, thank you so very much. Um, thank you for your your goodness. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for um, your willingness to be here uh, with us today on this book launch day um, for um, Words with God. Um, Can we pray for you?
1: That would be amazing. Thank you, Carmen.
0: Father, thank you so much for Addison. Thank you for being his Abba Father and for shepherding his heart. Thank you for opening your word to him. Thank you for Um, allowing Him to experience you in order that He can help others do likewise. We ask your blessing upon um, the conversations that He's going to have with others about you, um, that that the life of prayer of others would be opened up in new and fresh and transformative ways. So, thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Addison, for being with us. What a joy.
1: Thank you, Carmen. It was an honor.
0: Absolutely. Hey, the book is Words with God, Trading Boring, Empty Prayer for Real Connection. We are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. And uh, we're going to take a quick break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about the...
1: me live with
0: my eyes wide open.. All right, so today is the day. It's April the eighteenth. If you've been putting it off, uh, today's the day, you either need to uh, get your taxes in or you need to get an extension. like today's the day. All of the grace is gonna be used up today. Um, there are people who live in a few handful of particular communities who have longer extensions because of natural disasters that have taken place in their region. Um, And you may also be people who want to celebrate something else today, and that is that today is National Lineman Day. Did you know that? Um, Not like linemen, like football linemen, but linemen like the guys that literally keep the power on. And so if you're like me and the lights are on right now, um, if you're listening to this, some power source is making that possible. And that means that somewhere down the line, there's a lineman. So hats off to you guys today, or actually hard hats on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, When I see the lines of power trucks on the interstate headed east uh, or west or north or south, um, headed in the direction of whatever the most recent natural disaster is, because they got to go and help those people get the power back on in order that The normalcy of life can be restored. I pray for you as I'm passing you. And I know that your work is difficult, but we are so thankful for you, so thankful for you. And so the Lord um, protect you today. If you are one of the guys, one of the men or women up there working on our power lines, if you're a lineman, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And if you're a family of a lineman, I know you worry about them. And so the Lord keep you today as well. We're going to talk with Sarah Zylstra next um, from the Gospel Coalition. We're going to talk about uh, speaking truth in the midst of fear, and we're also going to talk about um, a church plant that actually turned into the planting of a school. That's up next You're on Mornings with Carmen. Searching in the sun for another God has been uh, on the move in, in the hearts and across the community of Nashville following the, just the horrendous uh, shooting that took place at the Covenant School, which is a part of the Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Sarah Zylstra has been um, covering portions of that story from the Gospel Coalition. Sarah, welcome back. Thank
2: you so much for having me.
0: So I hope you've seen the pictures of the double rainbow that God set in the sky over the Covenant School as um, parents and students were returning to the campus for the first time for a chapel service the end of last week.
2: Yes, wasn't that gorgeous and amazing? Stunning.
0: Stunning. Yeah, just stunning. Um, Talk with us about this piece that you have posted at the Gospel Coalition um, is reflecting on speaking truth to fear.
2: Yeah, so I covered um, their first uh, church service that they had. Now, remember their church, um, the school is a ministry of the church, so the school meets in the church. Um, and so after the shooting, they haven't been able to return to that building, or at least they couldn't for those first couple of weeks. That first Sunday after that was Palm Sunday, and they met in a nearby Presbyterian church called Christ Presbyterian, um, a church that had had its own service in the morning, and then there had been a funeral that afternoon for one of the nine-year-olds, the nine-year-old boy, William. Um, His funeral had been there and then Covenant Presbyterian Church, the church met for the first time after the shooting. And I covered it via live stream. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't there scribbling notes in the back. Um, I give them, there was some space there. They also asked that media not be there, but it was a service that was just so poignant. It was packed out with people. They had not only their own normal congregation, but, um, the Covenant School faculty and the, um, school families joined them. A lot of first responders joined them. A lot of family in from out of town to help, um, and to mourn the tragedy joined them. So the whole place was packed. And I think what really struck me about that service was just the way that they clung to the Lord. Um, The first thing that they said was, a lot has changed in this last week, but some things are the same. And they just stood on that the whole service. There was a tremendous amount of scripture reading. I wasn't even able to keep track of all the scripture that they read. Um, And a tremendous amount of singing, Um, a lot of old hymns, um, He Will Hold Me Fast, a lot of songs. Um, I would say... Um, I counted up 13. Some were instrumental, some they sang together, but there was at least 13 songs throughout this service. They just kept going back to Scripture and to song, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Mm. Um, I live in the greater Nashville area, and um, Christ Presbyterian Church has hosted um, lots and lots of uh, of not only the services, but um, all kinds of recovery events and vigils. Um, I think in part because it's probably physically the largest um of the of the pCA churches in our city um our the friend of this show um Scott Sauls is the pastor mm-hmm. there for those of you listening and want to make some of those connections in your mind um one of the things that occurred to me as we were driving to church we drive past Christ Prez on the way to the um the church where we worship and you know out there on their sign um right next to the road you know it still says you know our uh, you know, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's like our hearts and prayers are with our covenant family or something like that. Mm. And one of the conversations in our car, Sarah, was like, when, when, when and how do you change that sign? Mm-hmm. Like, right? Because this process of grief um, is so real. And that church sits in the, you know, in a neighborhood where, a couple of the victims lived and it's just you know like how do you how do you get to the place where you change that sign so i just think that there are lots yeah. of conversations that we can have with one another about this process um and about the truth and the reality of god's unchanging love and his fidelity mm-hmm. and faithfulness um and how we're called together in community in the midst as individuals now have to walk back out of the valley of the shadow of death like it's a it's a process and this is a um You know, this isn't the only city in the in the country dealing with this. The people of Louisville um, and now, um, uh, you know, people in Alabama, like there's so many communities that deal with these very, very tragic events. And recovery takes a long time.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I was even thinking that when. Uh, when I was first covering the service, I thought, how could they ever go back to school? You know, like, Mm -hmm. how could this, how could they even gather again? I was like, I I thought maybe they'll just wait till next year. It's already April. Maybe they'll just write Mm -hmm. off the whole rest of this year. I don't even know how you could go back and see those people, especially the classroom that lost three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're back today. Um, So I think it's just different for every community, probably different for every individual and how they grieve through that. And I guess. I guess we just have to have tons of grace for the different, the way that God uh, helps people move through this at at different Mm -hmm. paces.
0: No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, Let's talk about another piece that you have posted at gospelcoalition.org. Again, we're talking with Sarah Zalstra. Um, This one is planting pivot from church to Christian school. Tell us this story.
2: Yeah, this was so interesting. Um, So there is a church called Crossway that is, oh, so I'm in Chicago. And so it's about an hour north or so there's um, the sprawl of Chicago basically connects with the sprawl of of Milwaukee and, and it just keeps going up and up. So somewhere in the middle there, there's a church, and they wanted to plant in a, in a, a neighborhood in Kenosha. So if, you, if the name Kenosha sounds familiar, it's probably because of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, in 2020, they had some uh, police shooting and then a lot of riots. And then in the course of that, Kyle um, shot a couple people and killed them during the riots, and his trial was uh, broadly covered. So, um in that neighborhood that that all that took place in around in and around this neighborhood, and so this church had already been there, so our church planter was working with an after school program they had, and he was taking his time um, trying to learn the neighborhood, trying to figure out you know what 's the when can I plant what 's the best way to plant, what does this neighborhood need and After his whole neighborhood fell apart, he was just grieving, and his friend sent him an article about. Uh, it was actually a Gospel Coalition article I had written about John Piper's neighborhood in Minneapolis, which did the exact same thing after George Floyd. So John Piper lives in, the, in inner city Minneapolis, um, has been there for 40 years, long before it was cool, um, and um, has just slowly <laughs> been working in that neighborhood. Well, one of the things that caught Justin, our guy's attention, is wasn't so much Bethlehem Baptist Church, but that they had also planted a classical Christian school that was thriving. And he thought that just struck a chord with him because he's like, you know what I've been noticing is that there are churches in this neighborhood. There are historic African-American gospel preaching churches here. They don't actually need another church. But what I can see of this neighborhood is the brokenness of the families and the brokenness of the public school system and that we these kids grow up with. Um, basically in a relationship desert, like they don't have good relationships with adults. They don't have good examples. Um, and they're, they're just passed along. And so what they need is a stable adult presence who would love them, disciple them, and show them Jesus for a long period of time and for long stretches of time. So not just, uh, for an hour on Sunday. He wanted them for a lot longer than that. And it made perfect sense to him. Like, what if we started our own classical Christian school here? which they can do because God bless Wisconsin, they have the voucher system. Um, and so he did that in the fall, and he, they've got 50 kids. I think they're doing kindergarten through thir- third grade this year, and then they'll add, um, add a year every year as they grow up all the way through high school.
0: I love that. Um, we have a um, something called King's Academy here in the city where I live, and it's a similar similar model, similar recognition. Like there's lots of churches in this community, but there's not a – school where children can get the kind of education that oftentimes more affluent children living in different neighborhoods have access to, classical Christian schools. And um, and again, the voucher program uh, makes it possible. Uh, and so I want to celebrate this because, you know, think about how many hours you get access to a child if they're in your school versus mm-hmm. versus the very short window of time you might get if you planted a church. Um, and so, yeah, it just it's really it's exciting. It's a wonderful story. Thank you for capturing it. Again, you guys can read it at thegospelcoalition.org. You're looking for planting pivot from church to Christian school. We're going to continue our conversation with Sarah Zalstra from the Gospel Coalition here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Sarah Zylstra from the Gospel Coalition, you can find uh, what we're talking about today at the gospelcoalition.org Sarah um bring us up to date on what's happening with our brothers and sisters in Christ in China you have a piece here about chinese christians and the adaptations necessary to new restrictions being placed upon them by the chinese communist party
2: yeah you know it's sort of continuing the theme of the uh christian schools this morning um they definitely covid was an excuse for the communist government to um step in a little bit more close even some more churches and tighten its restrictions not just on the christian community but on their entire community um everybody in china they are very much a surveillance state so they watch you all the time um during covid they would have you scan in if you wanted to travel anywhere you would scan in um, they very much kept you in your home um which was um by the grace of God, an opportunity for a lot of Christians to get to know their neighbors and to serve them well. But I think one thing that's really changed um, over the last couple of years, as I talked to people there, is that um, while churches are still able to operate, um, yep, it's more difficult, but it's always been difficult in China. What had happened before is that there was a little bit of an um, industry of underground classical Christian schools. Um, and what what would happen is you wouldn't send your kid to the school. You would just send your kid to this other school. Maybe they'd have a place or meet in someone's home. Um, But since COVID, the government has shut down all of those um, Christian schools. Now, the reason that parents in China, Christian parents really want this is because if you send your child to a public school, it's not like sending your kid to a public school here. There's much more of a um, curricular emphasis um, and a philosophical emphasis on China is... um, Oh, I want to say like what you worship, uh, China's number one, your, your state is like your mother, very much um, teaching atheism and teaching communism as a way of life. So much less openness in to ideas there. So if you don't want your kid to go to a school where they will be uh, taught for eight hours a day to be a atheist and a communist, um, you can see how it'd be really attractive to teach them something else. Well, since all those schools have been shut down, those kids, um, need to find something else to do. So some parents are trying to homeschool them, um, but which is also illegal, and there are very few supports, very much not like the way it is here, so that's extremely difficult for parents. Another thing they can do is try and um, mainstream their kids back into the public school system, but here's the impossibility of that. Once you don't sign your kid up for kindergarten, um, they don't get a, a student ID. <clears throat> so this is an ID number that lets them go to school for free. So if you are rejoining, like the pastor I talked to, he he said, for now we're sending our kid to to a public school that's bilingual, but we have to pay tuition for it because we did not get that student ID for him. He's not in the system from kindergarten on. Another thing is that if you don't have that student ID, you can't take the entrance exams to go to college in China. So at some point you're gonna hit a ceiling where you're gonna have to um, either stop being educated or to go overseas to get your education. So a lot of pastors and Christian families are facing this dilemma of do we put our kids back into this broken system or, and this is a choice a lot of them are making, do we leave the country with them or have them leave the country to go get Mm. their education outside of the United States? Now, you can imagine this is an excruciating decision for families because they have to decide then, do we try and go with our kids? Do we send mom with the kids? Does dad stay here and work? Um, do we all try and get a job somewhere else and all immigrate together so we can at least stay together, but then we're leaving our country and our friends and our church for pastors. That's harder yet, right? Cause pastors, all your people are there and you're committed to your church and you want to love them and walk with them through this. Um, and that can feel like an abandonment. And so I think that is the question, um, that Chinese Christians are facing most crucially right now. Um, all right. We're talking about people who live in, in
0: China. Um, right. We're not talking about people who live in America or did I miss something
2: in here? Nope. This is, this is people who live in China.
0: Oh, okay. Cause I, I think that in your description at one point you, I do I mean, this is not a criticism, Sarah, but you may have misspoken <laughs> and said leave America. And I was like, wait a second. Oh, yes, that was me I miss might've missed yeah. something here. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, what are you working on now? What are you? Because um, you're always right. You've always got your finger on the pulse of a news of a new story out there. So, what are you working on now?
2: Oh, yeah, I'm working on a couple things. One thing that I'm going to look into today is I'm trying to peel apart. We hear a lot about there's sort of the pastor burnout crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to dig into that and see, is that true? I think to some extent COVID did burn out pastors, but I'm also, I'm going to have to look at the numbers because um, the ones that I'm seeing, um, I don't think pastors are resigning in mass. I know they're not. Um, and in fact, there's some evidence that more guys started going into the ministry during COVID, which would be just the last thing you'd expect. Um, and so I'm going to see if that's true.
0: Mm. I love how God calls people into ministry. Um, mm-hmm. We had a conversation earlier today um, with, um, with a guy named uh, Eric Swithin from something called the Alliance for Ending the Fatherless Epidemic. Mm. And, and I thought to myself as he was talking, I'm like, I'm just so, I'm just so glad God's got this guy. Like, right and other yeah. guys like him like i and again he he um you know he talks about having gone into the uh into the marines and then after he came home from that you know he went to college and because you know he's good at what he does and a good thinker he was hired into an executive position <clears throat> and then as a consultant and he's like i mean i was i was just dying in there i'm like i'm in a box i'm like in a literal box and and then god really got hold of him and now he's in full time ministry and You know, he's not a pastor of a church, but he heads up this alliance to end the fatherless epidemic in America. And I'm just like, I'm just so thankful that God's got these people Mm -hmm. in such extraordinary ways. And so thank you for the stories that you go and you find and you bring us. um, Because, first of all, it's hopeful. Mm -hmm. It's helpful to be informed, but it's really, really hopeful, you know, when we have this story like the one out of Kenosha, where, you know, this person— thought God was calling them to plant a church, but that's not really what the community needed. The community really needed a classical Christian school. Well, you and I both know you've got a ton more influence over the life of a child if you've got them every day of the week for several hours than you would if you just had them for an hour, maybe every Sunday or every other Sunday or once a month. Like, it's a whole different ballgame. So thank you for the stories you've brought us today, but thank you for your ongoing work and the stories that um, you continue to, to go and cultivate. It, it is a blessing to us.
2: Oh, good. It is just a joy to watch God work. Um, yep. And you got to think he He created Eric from the beginning. Like he knit him together in his mother's womb for this purpose, right? And he's doing that with all of us. Of like, what is it that he's calling us to right now? What did he make us for?
0: Well, we're so glad that he has um, made you to bring forward stories. And we're thankful that you've found that calling and that you're living it out. So that's Sarah Zylstra. You can um, follow her at The Gospel Coalition. You can read the stories that we talked about today at thegospelcoalition.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Heaven. All right, we don't want you to miss a minute. And uh, apparently, at least in the experience of Joe on the text line— um, his um, his feed's been skipping. So there you go. If your feed has been skipping, I'd like to hear from you. Let me know what your experience of the audio has been this morning. You can always text me at 877-933-2484. And hey, Faith Radio's spring fundraiser is next week. So please be praying with us in advance. Um, please be preparing to share your story and um, and share your resources as God leads you. So let's be let's be praying in advance for how we're going to participate in next week's Faith Radio Spring fundraiser. And you may be saying to yourself, hey, last year or last fall, I was thinking to myself when, you know, when one of those matching hours was being offered or maybe a matching uh, half hour, and you thought to yourself, I could do that. I could offer up a, a, a matching gift and challenge others to give. Um, You know how encouraging that is. So if you are in a position to do that and you feel so led, could you reach out to Carter Dreblo? You just email him, carter at myfaithradio.com. Carter at myfaithradio.com and say, hey, I want to do a matching gift during the spring fundraiser. Thanks again for the time shared together today. Love it if you'd share the show with someone else. If you've not downloaded the app, text the word app, A-P-P, to... 877-933-2484. It's been fun to be with you this morning. I'll be praying for you as you walk your faith out into the world that God so loves, and I'll pray that you do so in ways that honor Jesus. You'll be praying the same for me, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Have a great day, and God bless Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith,